0: Welcome to another episode of Canary Cast where we talk about the issues affecting workers in this country and talk to workers around Ohio. In this episode I talked with three Ohio steelworkers Tanika Lewis of Portsmouth James Ebanoff from Brunswick and Ben Doyle from Kishopton. For far too long Chinese cheating has shuttered steel plants across Ohio and put Americans out of work while steelworkers like Tanika and James and Ben who remain on the job have been forced to live in fear that they could be next. I've talked to these Ohio steelworkers about what they see in their communities, what toll unfair foreign competition is taken on their companies and their towns, and what they want to see in an American trade policy and an American economic policy that actually stands up for workers. What's pretty clear from our conversation is that we owe it to our workers to enforce our trade laws, to invest in their work. It's about more than just protecting steel jobs. It's about supporting our communities and investing in manufacturing. I started by asking Tanika, James, and Ben about their jobs.
1: Tell me what you do every day, Tanika.
2: Um, I'm a machine operator at the Coke plant there in Haverhill, Ohio.
1: So somebody that doesn't know what a machine operator is that's never been in a steel plant, tell tell, tell them about that.
2: So actually what I do is um, our plant has a battery which contains ovens, and inside the ovens we we cook coal. And once it's cooked for 28 hours, it comes out as coke. My job is to remove the doors off the oven doors when we're ready, when the production is ready to start.
1: And once that coal is cooked into coke, what happens in steel production next then?
2: Well, we send it to Arson Metal and. Um, a K Steel. Those are the buyers of our. A K, con- K.
1: Steel in Middletown, Arsenal Middle in Cleveland or
3: somewhere else, or do you know?
2: I'm not real sure which one.
3: I've been McWayne there for close to 18 years now.
2: You grew up in Coshocton?
3: Yeah. Okay, tell me tell me about the work that that you're doing in Keshektin. I currently work at maintenance in the finishing department down there. Uh, been there for 17 and a half years, and I've been on just about all sides of it. I started out for two years in the finishing department, spent 10 years in the casting side of it, and I've been in maintenance for about six now. Uh, my my um, father-in-law, who's
1: since passed away, was a maintenance worker, belonged to Utility Workers Union of America in Asheville up in the northeast corner of the state, about as far away as por- from Portsmouth as you can get. And um, he was a maintenance worker. Uh, he his um, my wife got a tour after he had died. My wife got a tour of the plant uh, one time, and they said, old, they said Chuck, Chuck could do Chuck Schultz could do any job, and the plant could fix anything. That's your job, right?" Yes,
3: sir. So where where'd you learn to do that? I started out maintenance. Uh, I worked at Freddy Products there uh, before. I'd worked at McWayne, the uh, rubber mat rubber mat uh, plant there in the uh, town. I started out maintenance there. Did you did you learn in, in high school and trade school? And where where'd you learn
1: how to do this stuff? Did your dad or mom teach you how to,
3: how to be good with tools? Yeah, a lot of it was learned working on the farm and then through ag class, things like that. It was a lot of it just kind of picked up through watching.
1: And Tanika, is this your first manu- job
3: in manufacturing?
2: Yes, it is.
1: Is this something you wanted to do?
2: No, it wasn't. But at the time, I needed the extra income. And when the plan opened it was a good job and um, I was actually started community action there in Souda County and I applied you know, apply for this job to provide, you know, a decent income for my family. How long did you
1: wait to get hired?
2: It wasn't very long. I was actually in the second wave so the the factory opened up in january and i started in august and i'm in brunswick now in brunswick. Okay. six years at uh the plant and fourth generation steel worker
4: whoa where else do they work all the same plant it's been ltv jnl ltv uh on the one side and the other side was corgan mckinney republic and then they merged when ltv then all the other names has been since ltv your,
1: your parents grandparents
4: still living the only one who's left is my uh, uncle. So it's it's is it your father, grandfather or its uncles, it's everybody. It's everybody. I had three grandparents working in the, in that plant.
0: Steel industry gave these Ohioans the opportunities to earn better lives for themselves. In James' case, for think about that, for four generations. But toward the end of the 20th century, LTV, like many steel companies across the country, was struggling. Listen to James talk about what happened to the plant that his grandparents worked in.
1: And did you figure all your life you'd end up working there? Did you, did you want to do that?
4: In high school, it was hey, we every we were making a de- parents were making a decent living and. You know we had food on the table and then i was like okay sounds like a good job to try and do and about six months before i graduated ltv went bust and it's kind of hard to get a job at the plant your parents and your that grandparents was 2001
1: that was yeah. 2001
4: yes yeah, so i graduated high school in 2001 and you know senior year going into it in 2000 going hey you could try and get a job and Sure enough, Christmas time, we got a little present. LTV filed for bankruptcy. I remember
1: that. And your, your union, the United Steelworkers, fought like hell to keep the plan open.
0: Unfortunately, we know that plan was one of so many that suffered the same fate around Ohio and around the country. But Cleveland fought back. After LTV closed in 2001, the five USW union locals worked together to plot the mill's future. They eventually combined into one local. In fact, the entire community, elected officials, the labor movement, clergy, all kinds of people mobilized in support of the steelworkers and bringing those jobs back. Their efforts paid off. The International Steel Group bought the mill in 2002. After another sale in 05, what was once LTV, became part of ArcelorMittal in 2006. It later became one of the most efficient steel mills in the world. But not every steel mill's reborn as LTV was. Watching plant after plant close takes a toll on the workers in this industry. Listen for a moment to Ben talk about the effects he's seen from watching China get away with cheating year after year after year, while plants here are closed down.
1: Do you, do you remember any time over the years you've been there when people were afraid? Uh, they, they feared for job loss. They were afraid the Chinese were going to do... Did, did you hear those fears or concerns in the workforce?
3: Yes, sir. I think it was back in 2007, 2008, uh, especially the way where the economy was going at the time. We were working uh, 12 days a month. We'd work three, four days a week and then be off for, laid off for two weeks, work three, four-day weeks again, be laid off for two weeks. That went on all year like that.
0: Ben's story illustrates pretty well what happens when we don't enforce our trade laws. We're under attack, it's past time, we fought back. Clear message to all our trading partners we
1: won't allow them to cheat Americans out of their jobs. Janika when you first heard about the steel tariffs what was your first reaction?
2: Oh my gosh the jobs I mean that was my first I mean cuz my plant will work I mean I supplied the coal for these steel plants so that's gonna affect me as well as these my other brothers and my other brothers you know in the usw um i am nervous i was nervous about all this going on because um like he said earlier we we make a good wage and i want to be able to provide for my family you know what i mean i don't want to be dependent you know, have to go back to a minimum wage job or anything like that. So this is very important to me that we do whatever we can to stop this from happening.
4: What were you thinking when you heard about the SEAL tariffs? Well, a lot of people were saying, yeah, great, he's doing what he's talking about doing. You know, my personal opinion is, is, yeah, I hope he does it and we actually go through, but you can't back down just because oh, well, we're worried about what the Chinese might think, and we're going to exempt this and that. It's either we should do them or stop talking like you're going to do it. I want to see some action is what I'm looking for. And when I say action, I mean if you say you're going to put the tariffs in, do it, but don't water them down where they're just saying, hey, I did tariffs, but it really didn't mean anything. What are
1: you thinking about these tariffs now, Ben, what you've heard? And what you're hearing now, and when you hear when you hear people that don't like them say it's a trade war, and what um, what what are you, see, you seeing? Anything change with these tariffs? You, you feeling anything in the plant?
3: At least on our side of it, we're we the the buy American would just that would help us just so much tremendously, you know. Try to keep all of the keep it all in house there for us. Uh, we make the ductile iron pipe there for water and sewer systems.
0: Yeah. right? Oh, <laughs> talking about rules that ensure American tax dollars are spent on American products that support American jobs. Last year, my Ohio colleague, Senator Portman, and I introduced bipartisan legislation to apply Buy America rules to all taxpayer-funded infrastructure projects. I joined my colleagues to unveil an infrastructure plan that invests in roads and transit and bridges and broadband, all with strong Buy America provisions. Listen to our conversation about what Buy America means to workers who could be making the steel we use, taxpayers pay for, that we use to repair bridges and build transit systems and renovate schools all over our country.
1: When I visited your plant three or four years ago, I was just sponsoring the Buy American. The, the suit I, uh, that I own was um, made by union workers, well, a little further, I, I live in Cleveland, probably eight miles from me, probably 15 miles from you, in a plant called, um, it's now called hart Marks. It used to be called Hugo Boss. You know where that is?
4: Yes, I do. Uh one of my uncles actually used to work for hugo boss
1: buy america f- for your plan especially and i was working on that in every water and sewer project i mean when americans are when 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 we build things when we're you know when the government pays for a bridge or pays for water and sewer system or is building a road or or buys clothes for the military it ought to have made an in american in every single case because people tax dollars you know, people say, well, they want the cheapest thing. Well, I, I, I want my tax dollars to go to create American jobs, not to outsource jobs. And that's what, that's what a lot of these people don't get.
4: It's if we're going to spend our tax dollars to build a bridge or, you know, make a tank or buy a truck for the military or even the police department in Cleveland, Ohio, it should be with an American-made product. And we should have a stronger rules of origin on the automotive because automotive sector is the primary sector that my plant feeds and without a strong rule of origin order rule of origin rules they'll uh, it'll just be hard for the automotive companies to want to produce cars in the u.s
0: Things have changed a lot in this industry over just the last few months. That change isn't stopping anytime soon. We've made it clear, though, that we're not taking trade cheats lying down. We're fighting back. We talked about how they feel about the future and the future of the steel industry right now.
1: And your plant's doing okay?
3: Oh, yeah. We're actually putting on a $17 million addition.
1: Okay, And yours is? Oh, yeah.
2: Yes, it is.
3: And your you, is your plant
1: are they hiring are they growing or are they about the same?
2: We've we're growing. I think we're at 130 union members now.
1: And what was it when you joined? You know,
2: I think my employee number is 62. So it was 62. Oh, okay.
1: And with what you've seen, James, from this plant for so many years, what 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 are, you're in a different situation because you have gone through a, a bankruptcy and a shutdown. And what are what are people thinking about the future at ArcelorMetal?
4: Well, right now, we're doing pretty steady because we make the advanced high strength steel product, but all it's gonna take is another country like China, if they catch on to how we're making it, they'll just start dumping that product there and the demand for that will go down. So clearly there's more work to be done. Tariffs are just a
0: temporary tool. We need a long-term trade policy to stop trade cheats and to make sure American workers have a level playing field. I asked Ben and Tanika and James, what would you say to your elected representatives, or what would you tell the president to set the record straight? That's
3: a good question. (laughs) I tell them that they need to be looking out for us more than they need to be looking out for the other countries. I mean... Granted, we all need to get along, but we've got to watch out well, for you ourselves. Think, you, you know, because we, everyone else is built off of us. I try to explain that to even the salary people that we work with. They said, so, you know, you do realize that you would not make what you make if I didn't make what I make. You know, it all go It all goes hand in hand. It it, it all steps up together. If you bring up the lower parts up into the middle, up up into higher, that just everybody raises up with it.
1: Do you think they're looking out
3: for other countries, or do you think they're
1: looking out for the executives of some of these companies?
3: They are looking out for the executives, but a lot of them are multinational corporations. Yeah. On top of that, so you know, they are they're definitely uh, they're protecting the money more than they are the workers. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't
1: find these. Elected officials that don't that that vote for all these trade, I don't think they're trying to help China or trying to help Mexico. I think they're, you know, there are a lot of there's a lot of companies like you say Ben, that shut down in this country, shut down production, throw throw steel workers out of jobs or machinists or auto workers or pipe fitters, and move overseas because the labor is cheaper and the environmental rules are weaker and there's not protections from workers and all that. To me, Tonico, what what would you say to an elected official? What would, what would you tell them?
2: I would remind them that um, they're going to end up closing our plants down, and um, we don't need to be out of work at all. So if our plants close, that means the steel workers will be forced to work in these uh, minimum wage jobs, which is not good, what leads to, like he said, your parents or even yourself losing your jobs and all that, and we don't need that to be happening.
0: One, that's, one thing that struck me about their answers these workers weren't just looking out for themselves or even their fellow steel workers they look out for the entire community L- listen listen to James answer
4: well I'd have to say is it's not just my job that I'm worried about is yes I make a good living but they the story i keep hearing is is that for every worker we have at that arsenal middle plant in cleveland there's eight other people that work whether they're a supplier to that plant they're a contractor truck driver whatever yeah truck drivers and just the people you know we got two corner restaurants right around the corner from the mill that basically the only reason why they're open is because guys from the mill go in there in the morning for breakfast before they go to work or after work. You know, they do a tremendous breakfast hour, but if they didn't... You got
1: those places in Portsmouth and you got them in Keshach. Yes, we yeah.
4: You know, the guy, when we were laid off in 08 and 09, he had very limited hours because nobody was coming to the restaurant. Because the guys were driving from Brunswick to get breakfast in the morning, go to work. You know, it's not just my job that's on the line. it's a, It's all the other people in the community's job.
0: At the end of the day, when we're talking about enforcing our trade laws, it's not just for steel jobs. These jobs are the backbone of our communities, and as James said, it's not just his job on the line, it's jobs for others in this community, too. When we support American workers, we support American families, we support American communities, we support our entire economy. That's why we'll continue to tell workers' stories here on Cast. Thank you so much for listening.